All right, there we go. Finally, we got the thing unmuted. I had trouble unmuting today. Colts lose. They get shut out for the third. They've only been shut out like three times in the last 15 years, and all of them have been by the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe that I watched this thing and, and continue to be somehow mesmerized by the Indianapolis Colts and each week think somehow they're going to win this game against a lesser opponent, what we believe to be a lesser opponent. But i got to tell you the truth. Who's lesser? Why do we think automatically that the Texans and the Jaguars are lesser opponents? Why do we believe that? Why do we believe that Matt Ryan is going to somehow see his career resurrected here as Philip Rivers' uh, career was? I guess that's the reason, right? Why do we think that Frank Reich is going to be a better coach this year than he's been in the past? Why do we think that this is the guy to lead this team? You tell me. Let's go to the calls because I got to tell you the truth. I am worn the hell out. I, I, I could do a positive five minutes about Jonathan Taylor, but I'm not going to. I could talk about how good Grover Stewart's been and how Stephon Gilmore's been pretty good too, but I want to hear from you. David, you're first up. How you doing? Make sure and unmute yourself. Let's go. What do you think of the Colts? David, how you doing? There you go. Hey, hey, hey Ken, I'm sorry. Hey, it's a rough day today. All I got to say is, Frank, you're done. Done playing call. Playing, uh, done playing um, offense coordinator, done being coach. I know you don't agree. With, I know you don't like to fire somebody midseason, but it's do or die. I really, really want to hear from Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard really bad. Right? You know, I'll tell you this, David. If you do hear from those guys, it means that Reich is done because what would follow would be a vote of confidence. And a vote of confidence after two weeks it does not bode well. It, it does not signal good things for the coach. I, I am not a fan of firing a guy midseason because so often it really doesn't work out very well. And Frank Reich has shown an ability to resurrect a team from the dead. Last year, Colts were one and four. They should have gone to the playoffs. They didn't get it done. The the way he prepares this team, though, is absolutely It ain't terrible. working out right uh, now. Clearly. Yep, yep, absolutely. Thank you, David. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Uh, let's talk to yep. Isaiah. How you doing, Isaiah? Make sure and unmute yourself. Hey there, Kent. Uh, I called last week pretty upset, but we came away with a tie. I really don't know what to say about this other than really what comes to my mind is there's a sort of uh, aura of arrogance with Frank that yep. is really getting under my skin. And I, I believe one of you guys asked him about two years ago at a press conference if there was any thought about handing over play calling to, to Brady, and he sort of laughed it off and dismissed it like, no, of course not, I'm the play caller. And that sort of arrogance is just really getting under my skin, and I don't know what else to say about it. And here, let me, uh, let me take your arrogance theme a step farther. Chris Ballard, and I was in the media room, and I know Kevin Bowen, who hosts mornings on 107.5 The Fan here in Indianapolis, and used to work for the Colts. And I like Kevin Bowen a lot. He's a really smart guy, smart media guy, smart football guy. And he asked Chris Ballard about his comfort level with the wide receiver room. And, and Chris Ballard went completely off the hook and started kind of railing against the media and how the media doesn't know what the hell they're talking about and how the wide yeah, receiver room is is fine and there's no problem in there and everything's going to be fine. Okay, you lose Michael Pittman last week. Alec Pierce did nothing for you. So let's not even talk about him not being there because who cares? 
at this point. He's going to wind up being good, but he's not right now. Michael Pittman, not there. You had to rely upon your depth. And what the hell did you get out of that depth? Absolutely nothing. Doolin looked serviceable, but that's all I can really say about it. Yep, absolutely right. Let's go to Jack. How you doing, Jack? Make sure and unmute yourself. Let's vent, right? Colts, they lose 24-0. How you doing? What's up, Kent? I mean, I can't believe the holes that we have on this roster. You know, we have uh, Matt Pryor out here who can't block. You know, we got one starting caliber wide receiver on this team. We got a running back that's probably the best in the NFL. You know, our defensive line just looks terrible. I mean, no Grover, Stewart's the only, Grover Stewart's the only guy that's doing anything. You know, or Kenny Moore, I don't, I don't know what happened to him since that Raiders game. He's just getting picked apart by Trevor Lawrence two games now, two, two straight games in Jacksonville. And this offensive line is the most overpaid offensive line in football. You know, I mean, I think Quinton played pretty well today. But like I said, Pryor did terrible. I mean, I'd like to see Ryman in over Pryor now. I mean, I don't know what happened with there. And, you know, Braden Smith can't block at all. You know, we have wide receivers that aren't getting set. It's just not looking good right now. It is not looking good. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it, Jack. And that is the problem with the Colts. That offensive line, for all the money invested in it, they've got a left tackle, one left tackle who can't stay in front of anybody, and the other left tackle can't keep anybody from knocking him backwards, and that's not a good combination. Let's go to Drew. How you doing this afternoon, Drew? If you got something to, like, vet about, give it to me. Yeah, hey, Kent, been watching it a lot. Listen, you're right about a lot, wrong about a lot, but this is what you're right about. Listen, <laughs> Chris Ballard, listen, he screwed this up, okay? You, you've been saying it, I don't know, from January maybe, okay? We need a wide receiver, left tackle, okay? You can't win without these guys, okay? This is the NFL. You can't win with these bums. And I don't know what he's doing, paying Quentin Nelson all that money. I mean, he's a guard, okay? You, he's a guard in the NFL. It's like paying uh, It's like paying an Ezekiel Elliott. It's horrible. What, are we going to cut him here to save the money here in a couple of years? It's ridiculous. I love Chris Ballard. I love his attitude, but he's arrogant. This is not working. You need to take the route of someone like Les Snead. You need to be smart here. You need to copycat on the league. Thanks, Kent. Absolutely. Thank you, Drew. Let's remember this about Les Snead, though. He was hired in 2012, and they won a championship with the 2021 Rams. So it took Les a while, and Les was really brought into the Rams to sort of be the functionary guy uh, behind uh, Jeff Fisher as the head coach. Uh, let's talk to Gary. Unmute yourself and unload, Gary. Hey, Ken, how you doing? I know there's a lot of people that are upset right now, but I think it was something that we all had to understand. This is a new quarterback. This is a new defensive coordinator. There are new people at key positions in Gonkway, Gilmore, Matty Ice, okay? Did you think these people were just going to gel by week two? No, this was going to be a process, okay? And unfortunately, in my opinion, the Colts were already set up to fail with the way that we were scheduled. I mean, the pressure was automatic after we tied Houston. You said it yourself, you know? And another thing that you had said, Kent, exactly what has already been mentioned is paying Quentin Nelson. I love the guy too, but it's just like, Jesus Christ, we need some wide receivers. What I saw in this game were people that could not get separation. Okay. There's a reason why Devonte Adams and Tyree kill and the likes of those type of wide receivers 
are, are stars in the league, and that's why it's a pass-heavy league now. So now it's like, Chris, uh, do you understand uh, what's going on here? Does anybody else? I mean, we do this, what, how many times do we do we watch a show, Kent? Uh, and it just kind of seems like I'm just repeating what you've been saying, boss. Well, you know what, and, and let me say this, and I, I enjoyed the way you opened up positively and, and made excuses for this team. I thought that they were going to come together well enough, to, and that's the coach's job, is to bring a team together during the preseason and make sure they're ready to play. I thought they were going to be good enough to be able to compete with the damn Jaguars, and I thought they were going to be good enough to beat the worst team in the NFL in the season opener, and it did. The schedule was... It it was unpleasant in this way that you were opening up against teams that I think in weeks nine and week 10, you'd be able to beat. But in one and two, it was going to be a bit of a challenge. But you've got to find a way to surmount that. If you're going to be a $20 million left guard, play like one. If you're going to be a $20 million, $21 million, really defensive tackle like DeForest Buckner, you got to play like one. You can't just exactly. you you can't show up and hope, and that's what this team does. And if there aren't changes, if they don't find a way to put the guys in the places where they can go make plays, and if that means sitting to Forrest Buckner for three weeks while his hip heals, you know what? Screw it. Cool. Find somebody who can compete. I don't need physical prowess. I need somebody with some heart and somebody with an ability to focus at a level where you're not going to... If Braden Smith starts at right tackle next year, uh, next week, that, that that I think that is wholly unjust and idiotic from uh, Frank Reich to Chris Strasser to everybody, Marcus Brady, everybody involved in that offense because Braden Smith, these two weeks, and if you go back to the end of last year, hadn't played worth a damn, and you got to be able to play better than that. Thanks for the call, Gary. I appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words, uh, although I think there was some criticism in there, which I do not mind. Andrew, some people get prickly about criticism. I do not. Uh, Andrew, you, you got something to send? You got some, make it therapeutic for us. We will live and uh, exist through your anger. Uh, Kent, I just look at this team, and I think that every essential position on this team looks mediocre at best. And a lot of these positions are being paid well. So I don't understand why they're mediocre at quarterback, at tackles, at uh, corner, at defensive end, at all the positions you need to be good at. Yeah. And like this team is good. I look at the schedule, and I, I wonder if they could win three or four games at this point. You know, you look at defensive end. Quiddy Pay, and this may not have been true at the end, but with a couple of minutes left, he had had two tackles. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, I saw make one tackle. I saw neither guy get a pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was never sacked. You have got to find a way, especially with a second-year guy like Trevor Lawrence, you have got to make him uncomfortable. And the Colts have gone about the business of making quarterbacks really, really comfortable for years now. And I thought that that was going to change with Gus Bradley coming in. But this looked like Matt Eberflus, where you're, you're leaving the middle open. And you're really not given a bunch of multiple looks. Sometimes he goes single high, sometimes too high. But you got to put pressure on guys. And if you can't do it with four, you got to do it with five. And if you can't do it with five, you got to do it with six, right? I agree. And I I feel like a a lot of the guys that we make to be a big deal, even like Buckner, like I forget Buckner's in the game more often than not. Yep. And, And we're paying him big money. 
I just I don't I don't understand the way this team is constructed at this point. I oh I wonder if it's just time to reset the whole thing. But here's the way, like if you ask Chris Ballard about that in the Colts media room, if you said, Are you worried about Chris uh DeForest Buckner? He would kinda of, he'd go he'd make that noise. I go, You media guys, you're always talking about, you know, this guy and that guy not playing up to your expectations. You know what? When we look at the film, we see something entirely different. Well, I'll tell you this. Here's what I saw. I saw today the Colts lose 24 to freaking, to put it in, in Chris Ballard's vernacular, to freaking nothing. I saw a shutout pitched by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if, if Jim Irsay, I, I saw Jim Irsay, the video with his little dog, they got off what looked to be the team plane. If he's flying back on the team plane, that is not going to be a happy fight. That is going to be a grotesquely unpleasant fight. And it's going to be unpleasant for everybody on it, including the media that flies on it. The radio guys fly on that plane. And you're going to have a very, very chilly uh, two, two and a half hours home to Indianapolis, and correctly so. Because this is ridiculous. And, and here's what this schedule set up. And people have talked about the schedule where he opened up with two on the road against two of the worst teams in the NFL. Yep, it really kind of sucked for the Colts, especially now because they didn't take advantage of it, right? However, what, what it has done is now you've got two games at Lucas Oil Stadium where 65,000 people are going to show up next week, those Colts fans who do show up and don't sell their tickets to Chiefs fans, they're going to show up with, with a little bit of liquid courage and a whole lot of damn anger. And that's no good. Like, that, that is going to be an unpleasant atmosphere for the home opener for the Colts, and they haven't played a regular season minute at home yet, and that isn't going to be a good thing for, uh, for the Colts. Let's go to... Uh, uh, let's go to Fulton. How you doing, Fulton? Didn't see you there. How you doing this afternoon? Go ahead and uh, vent for us and unmute yourself. And, and uh, turn it loose because 24 nothing does not come free. And, and the expense for 24 nothing is to have to listen to us yell about it for a while. How are you doing, Ken? I'm doing good. Um, I'm very frustrated by the Colts today. Um, they actually messed up, and they actually need to fix their mistakes. And one thing I would tell you, that Matt Vine was trying to throw uh, interceptions. Trying so, to. Okay. Well, I don't think he was trying to, but thanks, Fulton. I appreciate the call. That would be, uh, be a terrible thing if Matt Ryan was trying yeah. to throw an interception. I don't think he didn't. You know what? The one interception – where it was, what was it, third and 10 at like the three, I got it. You know, or at mm -hmm. the 43, I, I got it. That one made sense because what the hell, you're going to have to punt the damn ball anyway. Maybe it was at the 43 and the uh, Jags took over at the 33. Let's talk to, uh, let's talk to Toby. How you doing, Toby? How you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Ken. How about yourself? All right, turn it loose. What, what do you got? So I'll start off with a positive note, okay? Nice. IU won yesterday. Let's go Hoosiers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, three points. I'll just make three points. One, I keep seeing a bunch of stuff, you know, start Sam Ellinger. That's that's the wrong answer. I, I oh, don't boy. agree with that. Number two, I 
I agree with you as far as not sure about firing Frank Wright because I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it or Ballard, but if you fire him, what are you going to replace him with? Because the damn right. train could be Gus Bradley. He showed he wasn't prepared for Jacksonville today. And then the third thing, I just want to emphasize the comment I, I shot you the DM on, on Twitter. Are our press are you are the pressers allowed to ask questions that direct that like what the hell are you all doing in your to prepare? I mean, <laughs> they so are. I'll, but I'll, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the media. The, the media is not upset. Right. The fans at Mike Chappell and Stephen Holder and Zach Kiefer and 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 the guys who are down there, uh, who else? George Bremer. Those guys, they're not emotionally invested in in the game. So when they see, you know, the Colts not pick up a blitz and Matt Ryan get thrown on his ass, they don't get upset about it. They're curious about it. So they don't ask questions that are informed by, you know, emotion. They ask questions that hopefully lead to some kind of enlightened answer. And that's not the kind of question that would lead to an enlightened answer. It would, it would turn Reich, not prickly, but it would cause the rest of his answers to be really kind of curt, and then nobody gets what they want, if that makes sense. The, yeah, it does. The purpose of a question in that media scrum or, or at the podium is to elicit quality responses. And and that kind of question would not would not get that. Well, I'll done. tell you what, I'll, I'll take yeah. crap responses in the press room if I can get quality play on the game field. Yep, you're damn right. I agree with you 100. percent Let's go to uh, let's go to Mike. How you doing, Mike? How you doing this afternoon? Not a pleasant afternoon for a Colts fan, but you know what? Life could be worse. Hey Kent, forgive the audio. I'm driving home from Quanton right now. Is at the game. Uh, it man, I got so much to say, but I'll keep it short just because the audio. One about Frank Reich, one about Chris Ballard. So with Frank Reich, I'll say this. He doesn't have the dog mentality. He doesn't instill that in the players. I mean, his play calling is atrocious. We all know that. But he doesn't put the dog mentality in players. I mean, we had guys like Kenny Moore who was threatening to hold out because he wasn't getting paid enough. Then you look at how Kenny Moore plays over the last, I don't know, six, seven games, and it was absolute dog shit, Kent. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Well, uh, yeah, early in the game, Kenny was getting a lot of tackles, but, you know, it was kind of like those were empty calorie tackles, I, I thought. They, they really – somebody had to make those tackles, and Kenny made them. But I agree with you, especially because it was off rhythm. Like, Kenny's contract doesn't expire for another two years. It's this season and next season. So next offseason, the 23 offseason, he's due to talk about an extension. But getting an extension this offseason I thought was just peculiar, and there was no way that Chris Ballard was going to break protocol and break his traditional rhythm by giving Kenny Moore an extension and then ask Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, who are on the same schedule, to wait a year. That just wasn't going to happen. I thought it was ridiculous by Kenny Moore. I agree. I agree. And about Chris Ballard, I just, I've lost all hope. I don't think this team can go deep with the way Chris Ballard builds his teams. He's always big on eight, nine defensive linemen. Then you see him in the game. They don't do shit, right? And then we got right. Strong, Patton, Doolin, and Campbell as our receivers out there. you got to invest at the wide receiver position. I understand not bringing T.Y. back if he was asking too much, but you got to bring somebody in. I mean, that wide receiver core is atrocious. And the Jacksonville Jaguars did, and that's one of the reasons that the Colts got beat today. Absolutely right. Thanks, Mike. Drive safe. Yes, sir. Appreciate the call. And he, he's absolutely right. 
you know, you've got to invest in the in the positions that are going to bring you points and bring you a win. And the uh, the Colts, they left guard. When do you win? Because you got the best left guard. I, I, I'd like to know if anybody's ever seen that. Uh, let's talk to Matt. How you doing, Matt? Make sure to unmute yourself. Are, are you thoroughly pissed off? Are you, uh, let's see, we'll get you back up. Are you uh, you thoroughly pissed off or mildly pissed and, off? Or what well, level of pissed well, off are you, Matt? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pissed off. But I'm saying I grew up nowhere near Indianapolis, right, as a Colts fan. And as somebody who who is pissed off now but, but grew up as a Colts fan. And, hey, look, I think this loss is much, much worse than the Colts loss to the Jaguars to end last year, right? Because... We didn't score any points. It looked like they didn't even try. The play calling was atrocious. Uh, Everything on the field was atrocious. What we looked at today was unbearable. What What we needed, we didn't have. And it, 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 I would just like you to opine completely (laughs) bluntly on what happened today because it, because I, I'm without words. All right. Uh, I can do that. Matt, I, I think that this team is emotionally unprepared to play. And I think that the Colts generally, under Frank Reich, have been emotionally unprepared to play. In 2018, they got got off to, I think, a 1-5 start and then went on a tear, winning 9 of 10, losing the one game to the Jaguars, 6 to nothing for God's sake. But they made the playoffs. 19 you know what? Everybody gets a pass because luck retired and I, okay, people say nobody knew it was coming. I'm not sure that's true. In 20, with Phillip Rivers, it was a competent team. And they got off to a pretty good start. I think they were off to a 3-1 and one start. Last year, they were horseshit to start the season at 1-4. and four. This year, they're horseshit again. I hold Frank Reich accountable for the emotional tenor and the competitiveness of those 22 guys who start on the field, I don't think they're balling out. And so I hold uh, a team tends to imitate the behavior of the coach. And I think this team does that really well. Frank Reich is kind of a laconic guy, passionless, sort of, uh, you know, milk toast. And that's what this team's been on the field. What do you think? So, so my question here is, is more along the lines of the fact that the Colts haven't went all in. The Colts haven't went for a quarterback. The Colts have 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 had old guys and backups start for them for the last few years. What are they doing? I, I mean, I was devastated when Andrew Luck ended up retiring. I'm sure everyone within the organization, everyone close to the organization was as well. I, what's going on? Because Matt Ryan is playing worse than I would imagine if they drafted Malik Willis would have played. He's playing worse than anyone. Again, he got shut out by the Jaguars who are, who are very much a bad football team. What's going on here? I, I, I am very much just searching for knowledge beyond my own. To yeah. try and to try and diagnose what's going on here, and, and if the answer is it's unexplainable, they're very bad. I would just like to hear that so I can pick a secondary team to root for for the rest of the year. 
I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, we'll go to Mac in a second, but I, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an untalented team. I just think that they're poorly led, and and that could be a Frank Reich issue. That could be the seven captains that they've got, who are not holding players accountable. But it's somebody. This team has showed up four consecutive games and has not competed. And for some reason or another, Matt Ryan looks horrible. Now, is that pressure? Is that that he's lost a step and he, he's lost the ability to process information? I'm not sure what it is, but it better get corrected or you've got a, a significant problem. I think that, you know, they don't have a hot rod Blankenship to fire anymore. They don't have him as the scapegoat this week. This was just like last week, except they had Blankenship to point at. This was a failure from top to bottom in every phase to play football competitively. All right, let's Mac. Mac, unmute yourself and, and you know, give us what you got. It can be positive. It can be negative, although I, I, I challenge you to come up with anything positive. Oh, no, I'm not going to come up with anything positive. I'm going to piggyback off what Mike was just saying, what you guys were just talking about with uh, the emotional leadership of, of Frank Reich and how he doesn't have a dog in him. Ken, I was about three seconds away. If they showed uh, Frank Reich's smug face with his, you know, his lips just straight lined, I was going to cut my hand on the circuit breaker on the back of my TV. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I know, and I didn't play – football at the highest level, but I did play all the way up until I was a senior in high school and we did pretty good. We did win a state championship and I know what it's like to see uh, coaches that, that can give that fire to you to go knock somebody's head off. Cause I was on defense and I just don't see it with Frank Reich. I honestly haven't seen it from any of the coaches in the Colts organization in a long time. And we were spoiled for a long time with Peyton and Reggie and Marvin and, Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis and the list goes on. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just so pitiful to see a team and apparently Jim Irsay, a winning uh, organization, do so poorly against what people consider to be the bottom, I mean, the bottom, bottom <clears throat> feeders of the league. I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point. You know, and I like Jim Irsay, and, and I like what he did the Friday before the opener. I, I think it's great to kind of open people's eyes to mental illness and let us come in and, and look at that collection and then listen to some music. I really dig it. But you know what? The Steelers don't do that. You don't have the Rooney family hosting that kind of a, a thing. Those, those people are about winning. And, and they're all in behind winning. And not that they have won a gob. You know, Frankie you know, out in front of Rams Nation, if such a thing exists, and, and doing videos with his dog as, as a team lands in Jacksonville, you know, I, I want to see what leads to winning. I want to see everything within that organization designed to win on Sunday, and I don't know how much of it is, and that really bothers me. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Mac. Let's go to uh, Toby. How you doing this afternoon, Toby? Time for a milkshake, isn't it? Yes, it is. So I'll just ask one thing about this because somebody brought it up earlier with an answer, sort of, or a suggestion. Uh, this kind of goes back to what you said. John Fox, is he waiting in the wing? Do you think he's like salivating on this in the back of his mind? <laughs> Here is what I found out this week. And, and I won't say how, but I know what happened with the hire of John Fox, and it was not to hire 
a uh, kind of a, a big brain in waiting to see uh, if Frank Reich shit the bed and they needed to replace him. That's not what it was. Uh, John Fox wanted to get back into football in some way that wasn't, you know, like a, a day-to-day, 16-hour, watching videotape kind of grind. Wanted to be a part of a franchise that had a chance to win. And so they brought him in, and they're gleaning his wisdom, and that's what that is. Uh, he, he was not brought in as a coach in waiting. So then the other question I would have on that then is with Reich. I mean, how much can we say – to what extent is there la- is there no communication or a misc or dis or disagreement between maybe Ballard and Reich? I mean, what, is is there anything to indicate that Reich wants better receivers or better players in certain skill positions, but he's just not getting them? I'll tell you what, everybody wants to keep their job, right? This is true no matter right. what the business is, and if you've got two people in middle management. One reports to the other, and things are getting a little bit hot, right? Things are getting, There's some friction within the organization because of a lack of performance. The two managers, are, they aren't going to come to both necessarily, but they are going to be a, a component of the friction and not a, a fixer of the friction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, I do. And, and we all remember this with Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano after the 15th season, when Jim Irsay had that preposterous media thing at like 1030 at night on a Sunday out at West 56, and he stood there between Grigson and Pagano, and Pagano's beaming, and, and Grigson looked like he wanted to spit nails. It, it was just really, really uncomfortable and horrible, and I think that somehow, some way, Jim Irsay kind of learned from that. And in what Jim does, which kind of drives me a little bit crazy, Toby, is I think he lives in hope and dies in desperation. You know, he hopes <laughs> that that Ballard's the right guy. He hopes that Reich, Reich is the right guy. He hopes that the players that he's paying are the right people and that he can trust Ballard when Ballard says, we got to keep Ben Bandigou. Like, this guy has got to be on our roster. He's a yeah, second-round yeah. pick. He's got all the talent in the world. And, and Jim is investing hope that these guys know what the hell they're talking about. And I love that about him. But you don't win Super Bowls because you hope for stuff. You win I just wonder because if, you like, do stuff. Yeah, I, last thing. I just wonder if, you know, I kind of imagine, imagine Draft Day, the movie, right, where yeah. you got Ballard and you got Reich, and behind the scenes in the hallways, they are both bitterly arguing about things, wide receivers, paying $80 million to a to a lineman and having the most expensive line in the, in, with five sacks. If they're not arguing about these things in bitterness in the hallways of the Colts, of the Colts, organization but out in the press room there oh we're, we talk great you know all that stuff i don't know you know what's really interesting to me to that point is that every time reich talks about personnel like he was talking about rodrigo blankenship on monday and he said this is the kind of thing that chris and i are going to talk over at 5 45 this afternoon we have a a meeting at 5 45 to talk about these things and we'll talk about blankenship during that meeting he spends a lot of time telling us that he's in the room with Ballard as personnel decisions are being made. And frankly, I, I've just always found it odd and I haven't understood it. Let's go to the Mud King. Mud King, what are you doing? Make sure that you uh, you unmute yourself. There you go. There we go. Yeah, so so Toby went the direction I was going to and he said it better than I could with the question about John Fox. I was hoping he was an insurance policy 
Uh, so I'm a little nervous hearing that's not the case, but I yeah. trust you can. Uh, so instead, I'll, I'll, I'll just state that I don't have to give you the definition of insanity yeah. because you can just watch the last year and the half of the Colts and see that Reich as the, the head coach and, and Ballard, I think, also proven with a wide receiver situation this week. Uh, it's the definition. It's right there on tape for us. Uh, I just I, I was really worried when I was listening to the pregame show, hearing Frank talk about uh, Doug Peterson and what he had learned from him and what he was going to do different against him. And I realized then the Colts weren't going to win this game because Peterson knows the the fault, the, the flaws in Frank Reich's process. And so if anyone was going to expose him and just do it the way they did, this was the team that would do it. Uh, so I'm, I'm just concerned. I'm interested in what you think about that. And what do they do if they, if, I, to me, I think moving on head coach first is the, the next step, but is it too early in the season to do that? Is there someone out there uh, that that's just in the, the waiting that, that could pick up that spot that would be a high enough caliber that we'd want them? I, I don't know whether Gus Bradley's the guy you think about doing yeah. that with. I think that Gus was kind of outwitted today by Doug Peterson. Uh, I I don't like deferring to a guy. I mean, if 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 Frank Reich's going to defer to Doug Peterson, and it's not for a strategic reason, I, I don't understand. You know, like what's he going to say? He's going to say, "Look, I, I'm going to outwit this guy on Sunday." You're going to see. He, that's not Frank Reich's way. Um, but my sourcing of the information about John Fox being in the position that he is and not being necessarily a candidate to replace Reich is, is pretty unimpeachable. I got to tell you that. Um, and although I can't mention who it is, it was off the record um, or, or, you know, without attribution, I should say. What I, I think that it, this just feels different, doesn't it? It, it, it? Different from one in four last year. Like there was a sense last year that it was all going to be okay. And maybe that had to do with, you know, Carson Wentz being new and missing almost all of camp and, and finding a way. And we kind of saw sort of moments where it all sort of worked. Um, but this is different. This feels like a hopeless situation where if you let this unravel the next two weeks, you're going to lose to the Chiefs and you're going to lose to the Titans. And are you better off doing something rather than doing nothing? This, no matter what, however you see this and however you see Frank Reich's future with this team, you have to say this team needs a psychological kind of a mental reset. You cannot go into the Kansas City game in the way you went into Jacksonville or the way you went into Houston if they show up on Sunday, this coming Sunday, and play like that against the Chiefs, that crowd is going to turn surly, and that's right. a, that Jim Ursay will not tolerate. Yeah, can I tell you what I think the only yeah. difference between last season when we went on the run that we did and the, the rest of like this administration's run with the Colts, and that's the Hard Knocks uh, show. Yeah. The spotlight that put on, that, that was the only thing that elevated the players, not the coaching staff, but the players, to hit that other gear that we expect them to be on. And that's not coming this year. That's an interesting point. And Chris Ballard was 100% opposed to doing that in-season hard knocks, but it really kind of worked to do what, what that team, what that team needed. And, and it gave the exposure to guys. And you saw it in, in terms of the pro bowl voting, right. seven guys from the Colts went 
and that had to do with the hard knocks effect. There's no question about that. Let's go to uh, let's go to Gary. How you doing this afternoon, Gary? Not a very pleasant afternoon, is it? Hey, thanks for allowing me to go round two uh, uh, on the sure. call in, but. <clears throat> I just want to like calm everybody down. You want to know what everybody hasn't talked about? Uh, at least I haven't heard it yet. You know the one thing that Jacksonville had going into this game? A quarterback that played on that team from last year. And that's not our case this year. Okay. And I just also want to uh, emphasize that the NFL is a game of slight margins. You take Matt Ryan's favorite guy off the field. Okay, and then all of a sudden the soul of our defense who hasn't started is going to start next week. And I would say Shaq Leonard, Darius Leonard, Jesus Christ, it's hard for me to get it right. Anyway, uh, he's the soul of our team. And if you don't have that going in to these games, okay, it's like what you said. Houston and Jacksonville don't know that they suck yet. Right. And I think you just proved your theory right today. And you know what? If you don't have those key players in that position, when the games automatically matter, you know, I've been hearing, oh, it's only week two. That's not for us. We're already talking about playoff implications right now, because guess what? It's just like what you said. We have Kansas city in the next six days. Right. Okay. And then after that, we will have played every team in our division at the end of week four, because yep. guess what? It doesn't matter what happens in the game uh, uh, when we play Kansas City. Guess what? We got Tennessee coming right behind that. And yep. all I can hope is that all our players are healthy. And like I said, people, this is a new quarterback. This was the difference between the game today. Matt Ryan, new team, new conference, new coaches. Okay. Guess what? Trevor Lawrence, it's his second year. And I'll tell you what, like I said, it's a game of slight margins. I'll just end with that. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. But I would say this, too, and I like Matt Ryan a lot. But Matt Ryan, the last two weeks, at least in seven of the eight quarters, has looked utterly incompetent. So there's that. He has not looked good. He has not looked like a starting-level quarterback in the NFL today. Had to be statistically one of his worst games ever. Let's go to Ethan. How you doing, Ethan? Make sure and unmute yourself. I don't know how I'm doing today. <laughs> Some mixed emotions. Yeah. The one thing that I'm super mad, I get Matt Ryan has to adjust to this offense and stuff this season, but I'm super I'm super mad about how we only gave the ball to Jonathan Taylor five times in the first half. Yeah. And nine like, times overall, right? Yeah, and when they did give him the ball in the second half, he was making plays downfield, getting 15, 10-yard rushes, getting us downfield. Well, like, here's we, what's going to happen with the Colts, and this is what they're going to have to adjust to, and they've got it. And, and Frank Reich, God bless him, this is a positive. He alluded to it this week in his media availabilities. They have got to get dynamic offensively, or you're going to face eight and nine guy boxes And there ain't going to be any room for Jonathan Taylor to run the football unless you can throw it and throw it in a way that that penalizes opposing defenses. And that just appears not to be what you're going to see, what the Chiefs are going to do. They're going to load the box and say, "Okay, you want to hand it to Jonathan Taylor, you go right ahead. But what we're going to do is we're going to single up in the secondary 
and we're going to dare you to throw the football downfield and try to beat us. Because I don't think he can. That's what Andy Reid's going to say. That's what Steve Spagnuolo is absolutely. That's what Spags does. He's going to bring pressure, and he's going to confuse you in the secondary. And and you know what? I I don't blame him. I mean, you want to you don't want a six guy box or a seven guy box against a dynamic running back like Jonathan Taylor. He's the only guy who can beat you on that offense. Exactly. And when you have two guys, when you have two starting receivers off in your offense, you have to change your offensive scheme, especially when you have these other wide receivers who it's hard to get off their guy and make good cuts when you're uh, coming off the line. Yep. Like you, ha- I, I don't know. I appreciate it, Ethan. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? Uh, make sure and unmute yourself. What's going on this afternoon for you? You know, kid, I was thinking that this team starts behind the eight ball every year. And how yep. long does it take Jim to remember uh, we could actually win and not be – you know, two, three games behind 500, you know, this team used to start out 10 and 0, 8 and 0, 13 and 0. You know, yeah. it's not a strange thing for them to win in the beginning of the year. And at some point, Frank has to pay for that. That's on Frank. That's year in and year out. Every year they're losing. And also, um, last year, Carson at least showed moments that got you excited. I, I've not been excited. Yeah. Matt Ryan. I'm seeing him miss easy throws. I'm seeing him miss open receivers too. I, 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 there's nothing that has me excited about Matt Ryan whatsoever. He did nothing in those two games other than that fourth quarter against the Texans where you felt like, boy, oh boy, this guy is really going to help this team win. He's going to be a guy that we can count on to move the football down the field. If, if it isn't Jonathan Taylor, Matt Ryan's going to find a way. Right now, it's like if it isn't Jonathan Taylor, there isn't any way. Let's go to Paul. How you doing, Paul? I'm hanging in there, Kent. Um, and I know we, we disagreed on this on the YouTube channel, but um, as far as Jimmy firing somebody in the season, I honestly, I think he needs to set a precedent. I think it needs to be done. I don't think it should even wait for Kansas City and Tennessee. Um, what Honestly, what are they going to do this week from the coaching standpoint that's going to cast any surprise whatsoever at the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, that's a good question, and and you bring up a good point because if you lose these next two games, if you do nothing and you go one or what is it going to be, 0-3-1, you got real problems, and you've got a fan base that's going to disengage a little bit yeah. And Jim Irsay didn't play in that. And, and so looking at it right now, as, as this team, like I don't look at weeks one and two this year as being weeks one and two in 2022. This is week 19 and 20 yeah. in, in 2021. They are playing exactly the same way as they played before. And there's really no reason right now to expect any kind of performance yeah. That's any different from this, and and that's when you do tend to think, okay, I got to make, I got to change something. I can't sit here and let this shit happen. Yeah, and I I made the point last time on the last call in that nobody fears for their jobs, right? And I guess the point hasn't been gotten across yet. Hey, they let Blankenship go and all that, but I mean, I I'm stunned by the the culture of a lack of urgency sometimes 
Yep. Just it, once it, I want to see Frank me of, of this, Toby. It reminds me of the Jerry Tarkanian quote about college basketball. Uh, the NCAA got so angry at Kentucky, it gave Cleveland State another year of probation. Right? <laughs> That's kind of what this is. Firing Blankenship is giving, you know, uh, Reich and Ryan and, and the guy, DeForest Buckner, and Matt Pryor and Ryan Kelly and the guys who have kind of underachieved this year, sort of uh, another bite at the apple because they're too big to fire. Uh, yeah. Let's go to Toby. How you doing, Toby? Hey, Ken. Thanks for taking me on the, your another round here. I just sure. I was reading in there and I saw this. Uh, I don't know how to spell it. Basil Faulty brought up a great point too. Trevor Lawrence has a new coach and a new system too. So I mean, yeah, I don't see that as an excuse for. I, I, I get the key players on the Colts roster missing. I get that. But it I, it goes back to what you said. It's This is more of game 18 and 19 because, hell, we had – we went to, what, Arizona last year with COVID issues and beat – and surprised everybody. Yeah. So I, I don't I, – there's a – to me, he's here that I think – is set that we've got a baseline established for the co- the current coaching staff from for playing from behind, and yeah. it's not the right way to go. I I I would not want to be Reich or Ballard right now walking off that plane to talk to Ursay. I just would not want to be it. I've seen it's my god, this is yeah. It, it, it's no good having the owner upset with you. There's no question about that. That's not. That doesn't but, uh, give you a I mean, great night's sleep at, at all. That's not a uh, not a positive thing. Let's go to uh, Anton. How you doing, Anton? Make sure and unmute yourself. Final caller of the day. Leave us with something magical. Leave us with something wonderful. Well, I'm going to do my best, Ken. Thank you for having me. Sure. Honestly, I'm doing horrible after that. I mean, you guys and everyone that's been – related to the Colts this whole offseason has been going on about the receiving core not looking strong enough and not having enough offensive weapons. And here we are on fourth, on fourth downs and Ryan has no one to throw the ball to, it feels yeah. like. Like, he, on some of those fourth downs, he had time, but no one was open. Not right. a single player. I mean, at least that's from my point of view. Maybe I missed something but it felt like without Pittman like there was no one there to throw it to and like yeah sure Mo Cox had that catch where he got shoved out of bounds and that could have been a touchdown blah 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 but it wasn't and coulda woulda shoulda just doesn't cut it it does not not when you get shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars no question about it and you're right creating separation we've talked about it throughout the show whether you're a receiver creating separation in the, you know, in that secondary trying to get open to have a ball thrown to you, or you're a guy rushing Trevor Lawrence trying to create separation. You just yeah. done, and they keep putting, uh, they keep putting Ben Banigou on the field, and I'm I'm waiting for him to make a play. Is he ever going to make a play? And they keep running him out there like they expect him to suddenly become an NFL defensive end. And it just hadn't happened. All right, let's go to uh, um, uh, Jakari. Jakari, how you doing? Uh, make sure and unmute yourself. I'm doing how you good. Doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. You can hear me? Good, yeah. Okay, first of all, I want to say 
we need to fire Frank. This is crazy. I'm yeah. tired. I'm so tired. The play calling is just so good. When we were in the goal in the red zone, I was watching. I'm like, this is not going to work. Like, I'm watching the receivers run. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, yeah. there's nothing. Jonathan Taylor was getting stuffed. I, I knew that was going to happen just because last year, like, they're just going to stuff the box. So, like, I don't even know where to start. It's just so much. I, I don't know. Gus Bradley, he was giving me, like, Ra- Ravens flashbacks where he just plays soft the whole game. Like, Trevor Lawrence is throwing five-yard passes every single Yep. I totally agree. We lost you, Jakari. Thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Um, this has uh, this is really, really uh, frustrating. And, and it should be frustrating for fans. And it should be frustrating for Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. And it's definitively frustrating for Jim Irsay. And that's a problem for Frank Reich. It's not going to be a problem initially for Chris Ballard because you're not going to fire a, a general manager. It's odd. Here's the thing that really, really bothers me, and this is just wrong. Uh, the the rate at which, or the timing with which, Jim Irsay extends people. Like last offseason, he extended Frank Reich, I think, through 26 to sync him up with Chris Ballard and make sure that they were on the same clock. That, that just doesn't work for me. Ha- has Frank Reich done what he was contracted to do when you brought him in? If the answer is win Super Bowls, and that's what Jim Irsay is always talking about, is winning Super Bowls, why would you give him an extension based upon what, right? Why would you give Quentin Nelson a four-year, $80 million extension with $60 million guaranteed when having him on this team for four years has yielded one playoff win? If your goal, if the metric of success for this operation is to win Super Bowls, Why are you overpaying people at negligibly important positions $20 million a year after they haven't been able to win? I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. Like from a business perspective, I worked in radio management for a long time. And if I went to our owner or our CFO or whomever, and I said, look, I got a guy, I know he's 10th in the market as a, a radio host, but I really like him. And, and I think he's doing a good job. And so I want to pay him to be the ho- most highly paid radio performer in this city. I'd get laughed out of the office. And by the time I got back to my office, I would already have been fired. That's the way that works. You know what I mean? You, if you overpay for mediocrity, you are doomed to be mediocre. And that's where the Indianapolis Colts are. Breakfast with Kent tomorrow morning, bright and early, 7 o'clock, inside Indiana Sports Now with me in the afternoon. Can't wait to talk to you then. we got a big week. It's Chiefs week. It's the home opener week. We're not folding up the shop, right? we got 15 more weeks, 16 more weeks, including the bye, to get after this thing. And we're going to see what happens. That flight home from Jacksonville is not a happy one. And there's going to be another meeting tonight at the Colts Complex. I don't know what the hell they're going to talk about, but I hope they get down to the bottom of this problem. And all of a sudden, next Sunday, we're talking about a Colts win against the Kansas City Chiefs, as unlikely as it seems uh, that would be. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Thanks for joining us.